0: Right rug flooring.
2: One day he comes home and beats you bad, puts you in the hospital. One day. And he just does it one time. He apologizes. He says he's so sorry. He'll never do it again. He repents for it. He tells all his friends he's so sorry. But you're hurt. You're in the hospital. You come home. Can you trust him again? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast episode 160. Thank you for listening and watching. And wherever you're coming from, I think I just said watching and listening and watching and appreciate you guys. This is one of my favorite things to do answer your questions. You email me, GrangerSmithPodcast at gmail.com. Could be about anything. I only ask two things when you send this email don't make it too long to read on the air, and don't send the same email twice. It gets lost that way. But you could ask about any subject. In fact, the more crazy, the better. We read them all, we've heard them all, and we walk through them together, me and you. So the first question here, randomly, I'm gonna pull it up, the subject line says Q&A, and the body says, hey Granger, I was supposed to get married in October. I found out things after my bridal shower, he had never told me that he was married. He'd been hiding this from me. I found out through a friend. When confronting him, he lied to my face and said he's never been married. I found records of the marriage license and divorce that was finalized this year. I forgave him, so I'm able to move on and heal. I'm still having a hard time healing because he still goes to my church. I don't know what else to do. Do I leave church and go somewhere else? I don't know how I'm supposed to heal when I see him every Sunday. Is that selfish? God has given me the strength to forgive him. I'm just having a hard time healing while I see him. I like to stay anonymous, please. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Interesting. Interesting story. Uh, I'm so sorry that you're going through this. I, I will say this. First of all, uh, kudos to you. Congratulations for cutting this off and getting out. Um, this guy's. This guy, it's, it's not that he messed up and was married and divorced and hid it from you. Like, that's bad enough, but it gets worse when then he lies to your face and then hides it. That's ridiculous, and it's you did the right thing by getting out. You know, sometimes sometimes in life, when we can't control where he goes or what he does, you know, we can't stop him from going to this church on Sunday. Uh, we can't stop him from going to the grocery store and accidentally seeing you. Sometimes when, when things are, are tough on us like this, we have to be the ones that make a move. And it's unfortunate because you might think, well, that's not fair. That's not fair to me. You know, I've been going to this church for 12 years or whatever. But you know, life isn't just not always fair. And, and in this kind of scenario, I would suggest maybe it's time to go to another church. And once again, you might be thinking, hey, that's not my place to do it. That's his place to do it. But the thing is, you can't control him. I think it might be time to find a new church. It might be time for a fresh start. It might be time for a new town. It might be time to pull. I mean, this is a, you went through a big deal. So don't let anyone tell you that it's not a big deal, that you were engaged to someone who was lying to your face the whole time. And now it's over. And thank God that you have forgiven him and you're ready to move on, but you might have to physically do it too. It might be time to leave that church and maybe leave some other things too. Next question says, Hey, Granger, my name is Julian. I'm 16 years old from Michigan and I need help. I've been wanting to learn how to become a motorcycle mechanic, but where I'm from, they don't make a lot of money. But I also want to be a welder in the U.S. Army. Can you please help me out with this? Yee, ye. P.S. Tell Earl I said hi. Julian, thanks for the email, buddy. 16 listening to the podcast. I love it. Here's the deal. This is easy for me. You want to be a motorcycle mechanic, and you also want to be a welder in the army, you're worried that the motorcycle mechanic in your hometown might not make a lot of money. Hey, I got a great solution for you. What if I told you you could have all of it? Yes. What if I told you you could have all of it? And I think you can get all that through the army. Hey, you could learn to be a great mechanic. You could learn to be a great welder. You can get all kinds of really good skills through the Army. And guess what? They pay you to teach you. They pay you to stay there and learn it. They pay you so that it pads your resume, and then you come out in four years, and you've got all these new skills and this new education and the new a new resume as you did with the United States Army, you come back out, you could still be a welder. You could still be a mechanic. My bus driver, Bull, right now is a diesel mechanic. He learned that in the Army. Hey, if you don't know what you're going to do in life when you're 16, you're a little bit worried about money, you're a little bit worried about direction, and you think the Army might be right for you, I'm going to say it's definitely right for you. Go for it, brother. Next question. Septic line, Anonymous. Hey Granger, I don't want to get into details, but how do you move on from someone when you still have unanswered questions? Thanks for everything you do, Anonymous. Yeah, I love it. Short and sweet. I think it's a great question. How do you how do you move on from someone when you still have unanswered questions? First of all, with this. First of all, with this mentality, it's okay to have unanswered questions. Everything in your life and everything in the universe doesn't need an answer for you to be content and satisfied with who you are today. That doesn't, that doesn't require any of your self-worth to know everything, like you don't have to know everything and everything around you and all the unanswered questions. You got to fill them all in, all these mysteries and fill them in before you can get worth and identity in yourself. That doesn't happen that way. You get your identity and your worth through your creator. Why? Because he made you. So he gets to pour in your identity. He gets to give you your worth and you find that through the Bible. When you get that and you find yourself worth through your creator, because of your creator, because of what he has done for you, you don't worry so much about the unanswered questions. Now, let's dig deeper. Let's get into the weeds with this. Say I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe it's probably a relationship. You got out of a relationship and you and you the the person broke up with you and they didn't tell you why. Let's, let's pretend that's the scenario. It probably is. And you're going, hey, I, I just want to know why. But they've already blocked you or they've already moved on. They're, they've already moved away and they've you know, deleted your number. It's okay. It's hard right now, but it starts to get easier and easier. And it, it, you can get with a friend and talk this out. Get with a buddy. I would recommend that right away. Get with some wise counsel with some buddy and just go... Why do you think, first of all, I don't know if that you're a guy or a girl because you're anonymous, but why do you think he did this? Why do you think he did it in in this way? And then your girlfriends get together and they go, you know, here's a scenario that I've seen before. And then you go, yeah, that makes sense. Right? And then it just, you start to unpack it a little bit, not because you need to, but because it's just nice conversation and it gives you a little bit of closure. Either way, time is going to be your friend. The more time that goes by, the less you need these questions answered at all. Especially when you get into a new relationship, you don't want, you don't care about these unanswered questions in the old relationship. As soon as the new one comes around, it no longer matters. So time is your friend. Let it go by. Get your worth and your identity through your creator. And don't worry so much about the unanswered questions. What else do we have here? This is a question from back in September. line says, being a freshman. Hey, Granger, I'd like to remain anonymous, but I'm 14 years old. I'm from upstate New York. I'm going into my freshman year of high school. What is your advice for me this year of my life? Well, uh, uh, Mr. Anonymous, first of all, 14, that's crazy. We're getting younger here. Um, I'm reading this in at the end of October. You sent this last month. So, you're already into this, which is kind of cool because you've already you've already had to get into this no matter what I say or not. Um, but yeah, going into a freshman year of high school, I'm assuming this is a school where you're new to the building, like you're the youngest of this group in this building in this high school. I'm assuming that's what's going on. Um, if, if I was going to give you advice to go into a new building and a new, a new facility, a new chapter of your life in high school, I would say, absolutely get involved in something that you are passionate about or have an interest in, and I don't, I don't really care what it is. It could be chess. It could be drama. It could be math club. Oof, that not me. It could be f- sports like baseball or football or basketball or volleyball or cheerleading or hockey. Wherever you are you're upstate New York. Uh, Get involved in something. It could be photography club. It could be a shop. It could be um, some kind of engine mechanics club. Get involved with something that interests you. I'm not talking about something that you go, this is the passion I want in my whole life. You might not have that. Maybe you just have some couple things that you're just kind of interested in. Jump in that and you'll instantly get put in a room with like-minded people that think like you and become friends with you and it becomes your tribe. Because we all need our tribe. We need to be around our people, our tribe, the people that think like we do, that like the same things we do. Now you get into these clubs right away, organizations, classes, whatever it might be. And you're getting into your tribe. You're getting your team. You're getting your people around you that you trust, that you could pour into, that you can go back to the last question and say, how do I get past these unanswered questions? You go to your tribe in your group, in your freshman class, and you sit down you go, hey, I got a question. How do I get past these unanswered things from my past relationship? And they help you walk you through it. That's what your tribe does. So, it's not about getting better necessarily at chess or winning at the debate club or winning the championship in football. It's it's not about that. It's finding your people, finding your team, finding your tribe, surrounding yourself, finding that group around you makes you stronger. Iron sharpens iron. Let's hit another one. Another question from back in September. The uh, subject line says Memory verse question. And then the email says, hey, Granger, my name is Tyler from Oregon. I'm in high school. My question is, my Bible teacher is assigning us big memory verses, like 10 to 15 verses. We write it out every Friday and get a new one for the next Friday. Do you have any tips for memorizing big verses like this? I loved when you were here in Eugene. It was one of the best nights of my life. Thanks, yee-yee. Man, that's awesome. I'm so glad uh, that a school is assigning you memory verses. That's really cool. I actually didn't have that in my school. My kids have that now, which is great. What I did have was I had uh, poems. We had to learn and memorize and recite poems, poetry, in front of the class. And we had to do that once a week. We get a new poem assigned the next time. So I love that. Uh, And it's funny how that has really uh, come back and been such a, a big part of my life if you think about me, what I do now, get up on stage and literally recite poetry in the form of songs every night, and I need to recall them. So um, with, when you're talking about Bible verses and, and memorizing, I'm going to try this. So you're saying big memory verses, like 10 to 15 verses. This is what I would do. Something like this kind of system. I would read it, read verse 1, so you're going to do 10, right? Read verse 1 10 times. Read it 10 times. Then close your eyes and don't read it and say it 10 times. Then take a break, a mental break. Go back to it whenever you're fresh again and and read verse 1 and verse 2 10 times. And then say out loud verse 1 and verse 2 10 times without reading it. Take a mental break. Go back when you're fresh again. Read verse 1 through 3 10 times. Recite with your eyes closed verse 1 through 3 10 times. If you mess up, which you will, start over and and make it zero again and start back at one on the reciting. If you got to read it 10 times again, do that. See what that does for your brain. Another way to do it is just do the latest verse, this is verse number 3, and then go back and say the whole thing at the very end. But I the way my brain would work, I would say I want to read it 10 times and then I want to close my eyes and recite it 10 times, take a break and do that all the way up to 10 verses. So by the end of this exercise, and not on the, this is not on the same day, this is not on the same time you're sitting down, this is this is all spread out, right? So this is going to take you a week to do the whole thing. So you have seven days, according to your class, seven days to recite it. So on day one, you're doing, I would do verse one in the morning, maybe verse two in the afternoon. And so you're by, by day seven, you're doing all 10 to 15 verses. Does that make sense? Email me back and let's continue this conversation if that doesn't make sense. All right, moving on to another one here. I'm totally, guys. I'm totally blind on this. I don't know what these say. I don't have notes. I'm, uh, I'm just totally stabbing in the dark. So let me hit this one. Subject line says "bakery advice." Hey, Granger. My name is Laura. I'm from Northeast Texas, right outside of Texarkana. I will be 20 on the 16th of October, which is already passed. So happy birthday! And I've been a fan for several years, and I love the podcast. I've sold different baked goods privately out of my house for several years now, but with higher demands and higher tuition for college. I've also been wanting to do something more on a large scale. I'm currently a full-time college student, and I work full-time at Tractor Supply. I have a customer base already, but I'm having trouble coming up with a name for my business and overall just so the social media side of things. I wanna get my name out there more with social media and be able to have extra customers that word of mouth doesn't always provide. What's your best advice for starting your business online like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or even a website? Thanks for all you do, Laura. All right, Laura, thanks for the email and happy birthday. Let me recap in my mind just so I see where you're coming from. You say you have sold baked goods privately out of your house for several years. And you're currently working full-time as a student and full-time at Tractor Supply. So you don't have a lot of time for this, right? You have a customer base already. So here's the deal. You are, I don't want you to, I don't want you to grow too fast in this. I don't want you to get to expand too much too quickly um, because it's going to get out of hand. You, you have to, first of all, finish college And you're also working to pay the bills at Tractor Supply, which is a great job, by the way. So I don't want you to grow too fast, but I just want you to be thinking about how to make this business model. I know a few people in my life that actually do this and do very well at it. So the, the key right now for you is going to be the quality of your product and the perfection of your service and less about how many social media followers you have. Because what you want to do in order to grow this long-term is you want to get these core customers where you're making cookies and you're delivering the cookies, you're hand delivering them and they're hot. And you want to be able to take pictures, really nice photos of these cookies when they're right when they come out of the oven and right when they're you know sitting on the decorative napkin or whatever and, and you take it over and you make the delivery and you take another picture of the happy customer getting it all in a creative way. So you want to start archiving a lot of this. So it's not like, hey, I'm starting a new business and here's one picture of my cookies. It's like, no, here's years of me doing this. Here it was, I'm doing it out of my own kitchen. I'm doing it, this is my own apartment oven, right? Or whatever. And so you want to build up this reputation of someone that's been doing this for a long time and you have customers that you go every single time, they have a birthday or an event coming up, you go to this customer, you you deliver personally. And then tell them whenever you deliver, hey, would you mind commenting on my Facebook page? I I posted a picture of these cookies. Would you comment back? That helps the algorithm. The more comments I get, the more likes I get, the more it's going to push it out there. But don't try to scale it up too fast. Focus on the quality of what you're doing and the perfection of the service as you deliver these incredible cookies. Will you please deliver me some in the meantime to the podcast. Let's take a break. Be right back. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Remember, you can catch me and my family on The Smiths on YouTube every single Tuesday and Thursday night, 6 p.m. Central. Also, if you want me to travel to your town and bring a message to your church on a Sunday morning, you could do that. We've set it up at GrangerSmith.com under the contact tab right at the top. It says book Granger for a speaking event. It's important that you know there is no fee for me to come to your church to preach tell you what there is a fee for, and that's if you want me to send you a video message, I could do that right now on Cameo.com slash Granger Smith, or download the Cameo app and search for me, Granger Smith. I can make you a personalized video message and say whatever you need me to say. Happy birthday, happy anniversary, congratulations, Merry Christmas, whatever it might be. Go to Cameo.com slash Granger Smith and book me now. Back to the podcast. All right. Segment two, podcast 160. Thanks for being here. Let's dive into it. I'm going blind. I have no idea what these questions are going to say, but you could email me to at grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Love to walk through in real time and long form on your question. Let's dive into this next one. Subject line says, How do I walk away? I'm Beth. Hi, Beth. I'm 33 years old. I need your tough love and advice. There's this guy by my side for four years. I think he has issues within himself. He pushes me out, doesn't communicate with me as he should. I'm beginning to think he's bipolar. When he's at his best, he's my favorite person. I love and care for him very much. However, I think that I'll be good enough for... I don't think I'll ever be good enough for him. Or maybe it's really the opposite way around, and he isn't good enough for me. And then, when he's at his best, I'm the most happiest he seems happy when we're all together. But then when he's at his worst, it's really bad. He's made me question my own self-worth. I think he, he messed me up pretty bad. I'm 33, own my own house, car, two wonderful kids. I cook, I clean. I'm an exceptional good mother. I never did anything to make him treat me like dirt on the bottom of his shoes, but he does. I know walking away is the best at this point, He messages other women I know. He won't add me on his social media. Seems like men don't want good women these days. If I tell him I care, he pushes me away. I'm torn between my head and my heart. My biggest fear is him coming back once I've already walked away. Letting him go is hard, Granger. He's 42, so he's older than me. But it seems as though he's acting 22 years old. Is it good to be acting like this? It seems like all the guys do this in my area, heartless and selfish. Perhaps I just wasted four years of my life on the one guy whom I thought the world of, and he thinks nothing of me at all, it seems. Well, Beth, thanks for the email. Sounds like you're struggling. Uh, You got a dude that's bipolar. When he's great, he's great. When he's bad, he's really bad. Unfortunately, the bad outweighs the good in a relationship like this. It just does, y'all. The bad outweighs the good. Say, let me put that in perspective. Say this guy's like an angel. He's like a just a super great guy. Everyone loves him. One day he comes home and beats you bad, puts you in the hospital. One day. And he just does it one time. He apologizes. He says he's so sorry. He'll never do it again. He repents for it. He tells all his friends he's so sorry. But you're hurt. You're in the hospital. You come home can you trust him again? Can you? Hey, would you do it with a dog? Would you do this with a dog? If you had a dog and, the, and you, you adopted this dog and he's just a sweet puppy, and one day he bites your child so hard that the, your child needs to get stitches, but other than that, he's just a sweetheart. He's just a great dog. He's just a loving dog. He's a great family dog. Except one time, he bit my kid so bad, it ripped flesh off and we had to get stitches. Can you trust the dog anymore? See, the bad situation like this in a relationship outweighs all of the good. It's all done. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying you can't forgive him for a mistake. But when he goes back to the mistake, like a dog to the vomit, when he goes back like a pig to the waller, right? That's when you got to go, hey, I don't trust you anymore. You've lost my trust. These bad times of you going back to the waller or back to the vomit, these times, it just outweighs the good guy that, that you are the other times. I'm moving on. Now, did you waste four years of your life? No, stop saying that. You'll never waste four years of your life. You don't waste time in a relationship. You only learn how to respond to the next relationship. That's what happens in that time. Sometimes it takes a year. Sometimes it takes two years. Sometimes it takes four. But you don't waste time ever. You're learning from that so you could pour in what you learn to the good relationship that comes later. That's the deal it's time to go. It's time to move on. He can't, he can't treat you like the dirt on the bottom of his shoes, like you said, and get away with it. He can't. Guess what? There are more guys out there. And if there's not, it would better to be, it's better to be single and content. It's better to be single and content. Let's move on here. What we got, the, the roulette game of find a email and read it on the podcast. Subject line, heartbroken. The email says, Dear Granger, after being together with my husband for three years and married for one and a half, he told me he was no longer a Christian. This rocked me to the core because I'm a Christian woman and we met serving in ministry together. Although I was bitter and hurt, I decided to lean on God and stay in my marriage despite being deceived. Over this time, he has changed his personality, admitting things like he acted a certain way to get married, etc. We're now almost five years into marriage, months into Christian counseling, where our counselor brought elements of emotional abuse in our marriage to light, and I feel more lost and broken than ever. There is no peace, and I am torn between leaving my emotionally destructive marriage to be able to serve this the the Lord freely and st- or stay in a loveless marriage and making my husband my full-time ministry. How can I know God's will in this circumstance? Anonymous. I'm so sorry that this is where you are in life. I'm so sorry that this is your calling right now. I truly am, and and part part of it. I want to speak to the other women that are engaged or dating, and they're in a relationship where the husband says, "Yeah, I'll do. I'm sure, babe. Let's do it. Let's get married." And here's why, and that you might be deceived in doing so. Okay. Um. Second of all, with some tough love, I just want to say. I don't, I don't totally believe you that you were fully deceived. It would be very difficult, and maybe you were, but I don't totally think that he deceived you 100%. Like, that's really hard for him to 100% deceive you that he's walking with Christ, and the whole time it was a lie. I, I don't I don't think anyone could pull that off completely unless you had clues, unless you had some stuff in your life. You're like, I'm questioning this, but I don't want to admit it to myself because I'm so interested in getting married. Okay, that's not your question. That's besides the point. Those are just some observations, tough love, and I love you. I love you. Um here's the interesting thing about your question. You say at the very end, how can I know God's will in this circumstance? How can I know God's will? How? How, can, how could any of us know God's will? That's a question, right? What a profound question. The answer is so simple. We read our Bibles. We read our Bibles, the living, breathing Word of God given to us as a gift for our own good. So, that, so we could have guidelines and we could have rules and we could understand the love of God and the patience of God and the wrath of God and the justice of God. We can understand Him fully and under, understand other people that interacted with Him through the course of time, including the beginning of creation, including the future that hasn't happened yet and everything in between. And the most pivotal part is our Savior in the middle, who was crucified and resurrected, became the substitute for our sin, our brokenness, our wretchedness. When we could not help ourselves, God entered the world, invaded mankind in the flesh, was crucified, killed for us to absorb the wrath of God that we deserved. The innocent became like the guilty, so that the guilty could be like innocent, right? That's the greatest story ever told. And you're wondering, how could we know God's will? It's written in the Bible for us today, and you will find very specific passages to your situation. What to do when your spouse is a non-believer and I'll give you a hint. The answer is not divorce him, but it's in there. And instead of me going through it with you, I would, I would rather you see it with your own eyes. Because if I assure you of something, hey, if I assure anybody on this podcast of anything, then when you start doubting that assurance or when it starts crumbling, you come back to me to get another answer. And I am, I, I'm just a human. I mess up all the time. I say wrong things. But what I wanna do is, I wanna show you the Bible so you can go there and get, get the assurance that you need of what God's will is for you in your life and what you need for this marriage and for this struggle and the suffering in your life right now, this huge trial you're in. I want you to go to the Bible and find the assurance there, which you will. Then when it when it when things seem rough again and you feel like things are crumbling, you don't go back to me. You go back again to the Bible and you dive in again. And you go, God, where is it? Well, I want to, I want to know your will for me in my life. I want, I want to feel what you need for me. So I'm going back to feed again at the, in the living water. That's what you that's what you do. You're gonna find your answer. Here's, here's something else. We don't always love the answer that's in the Bible, but we know for sure it's what is good for us. Let me grab another question here before I get too worked up. Subject line says, unable to find love. Hey, Granger, my name is Charlie. I'm from a small town in New Hampshire. I'm 19, recently left my hometown for college. I've never been in a relationship before and desperately want to experience love. My struggle is that girls my age aren't looking for a relationship. They just want to party. I feel lost. Any advice on what I should do? Thank you. Hey, Charlie. Thanks for the email, brother. Shout out to small town in New Hampshire. That sounds beautiful. I'd love to come visit sometime. Um, you're 19, recently left your hometown for college, and... You've never been in a relationship, and you're in, you desperately want to experience love. You know, if you've heard this podcast, you know I'm not. I'm not a fan of desperately wanting to experience love. I'm not from another person. I'm not into that. I'm not. I don't love that expression. Okay, and but I understand it. I understand what you're saying. I, I have sympathy for that but I don't like it. I don't like that you're desperate to experience love. Why? Because it's going to put you in a situation where you're going to compromise what what your standards are for yourself. You're going to compromise that because you're desperate to experience love. And the first time it appears and rears its head, you're going to grab for it and you're going to put aside any kind of other things that you wanted to save for yourself just to take the love because I'm desperate for it. You said in here, my struggle is that girls my age aren't looking for a relationship, they just want to party. So, right, I hear you. Three lines before that, you say, I'm desperately looking for love. So, what happens when that desperation gets a little worse and a little worse? And then you meet a girl and you're really attracted to her. She's attracted to you. She seems nice enough. She loves to party. You don't like to party. But you think, you know what, I'm, I'm going to just go ahead and turn a blind eye to this party thing. I desperately want love. And so I, just, I haven't had it. It's been a long time since a girl's even talked to me. But here's this girl and she's really pretty and she actually likes me. And the only bad thing is she parties. And I guess that's not that bad a thing. So I guess I'll take it. Okay, fine. And then you get in and then it doesn't go good. And you could hear from other emails how things don't go good. Charlie, it's so good just to be single and content. Finding your self-worth in your creator, your identity with him. You don't have to worry about a relationship. I know it doesn't seem like this, but 19 is still really, really young. You're still a teenager. There's so much time for a relationship. There's going to be plenty of time for that. And I know you look on social media and it seems like everyone's got somebody. That's just not the case. It's not right. It's not healthy. You don't need it. You're going to be totally fine. Okay? Hang in there. You got the right idea. Take away this, strip away this idea of being desperate for love. You're not missing out on anything because you're looking for love in the wrong places. Right? Eventually, you're going to meet somebody and you're just going to know. And there'll be no hesitation, no restrictions. And you'll go, I'm in, I'm ring shopping. My wife is here. Let's say it one more, at least, at least one more. We're having fun. All right. How about this? I have no, I have no idea what this is. Septic line says, Charlie Green it says, Hey Granger, my name is Hey, Granger, my girlfriend, Jessica, and I... Oh, hang on. You said Jessica John? That's her name? Okay. Hey, Granger, my name, my girlfriend, Jessica John, and I have been dating for about a week now, and she told me about her online banking bank account being frozen. She would like me to send her $200, but she's in a different state. Uh, uh, this is bad. Bro, Charlie Green, this is bad. Let me move on. Let me go on to it. It says we met at an open house in Tracy, Iowa. I knew it was love at first sight. What should I do? Should I send her the money or not? Charlie green brother, you better run from Jessica. John, go back to Tracy, Iowa, Charlie green and get rid of Jessica. John, (laughs) no, don't send her $200. Absolutely not. Um, You've known her for a week. No, no, no. Um, no, I don't have anything else to say, Charlie Green, besides no, don't do that. Man, mother-in-law advice. Should we get into this again? Mother-in-law advice. Let's do it. Hey, Granger. I hope this is the right email address. I, was, I wanted to ask you some advice about my future mother-in-law. I've been with my fiance for three years. He's very good to me. I know that he would do anything in the world for me. He works very hard for our future family, and I know that I can go to him with just about anything. We're getting married in October. However, his mother's been giving me issues. Since we've been dating, she's always made snide remarks towards me about my weight and how my family does things and just the typical rude comments. I let it roll off my back. I never say anything and that's the truth. Before we got engaged, my fiance had brought me a ring and his mom told me about the ring because he told her he did not want her involved in the proposal, okay? She was very upset over this uh, because she wanted to watch it happen, the proposal. After we got engaged, I made the decision not to take her wedding dress shopping because of the comments she usually makes towards me. Ever since then, it's been game on with his mother. We have bought a house, and she will show up and sit on the porch. And she just shows up to my work to talk about uh, and talk just to talk and bring me things such as newspapers that I never read. It's very odd. This email is very long, and it comes from Sarah, and I, and it continues. And I will stop there. Let um, me skip down to the end. It says, uh, "I don't want to upset him." because I don't want to lose him. But at the same time, with us getting married, I feel like this really needs to be addressed. What would you do in my position? Hmm. I get so many in-law emails, y'all. Sarah, you're the one that sent this. Um, Crazy thing is, I'm reading this email. Now it's October. You might already be married. So um, do you love him or do you love the mother-in-law? Which one did you fall in love with first, him or his mother? Oh, him. You fell in love with him. Okay, good. I just want to get that straight because you don't have to fall in love with the mother-in-law. You could respect her. You could be there to answer her questions. I don't think you... If she shows up at work with some magazines, okay. Thank you. What if you just killed her with kindness? What if you're just kind all the time? Now, it's going to be hard because she's going to say things about your weight. You don't like it, but the best thing to do is don't let it show that it affects you at all. If you let it show that it affects you, you're going to get it more and more and more. That's how humans operate. If you let her think that it means nothing when you say, when she says something about your weight, then she'll probably stop saying it. Now, the other thing to do is to talk to your husband. I don't know if you've done that or you, if you will do it. Um, he, you say that he has mentioned it to her lightly, but it's not enough to get the point across. So maybe you tell her, tell him, hey, um, I'm, this, this really, really bothers me. And I don't want you to say anything because I don't think that's going to fix anything. But I just want you to know that maybe sometimes we need to do things by ourselves. Like maybe we need to go and take a vacation. Maybe we need to go have dinner alone, away from mama And he should step up and respect his new wife. Guys, when you get married, you leave mama. She no longer has the the greatest authority. Now you're giving it to your wife. So now what she wants goes. What she needs is the priority over mama. you You could still love your mama and she's a priority and you take care of her, but it's not as high as your wife. That's So important. So, this message is not just for Sarah, but it's for guys out there. Do you have a mother that's controlling your wife at all? Stand up. Button up. What's up? You can't control your mom? Hey, mom, stop. You're really bothering Sarah. Would you stop showing up at work? Mother, listen, I love you. I love that you care, but you got to stop right now. I'm married. I love this woman. You're really hurting her when you talk about her weight. That upsets her, Mom. Don't say that. You understand me, Mom? I love you to death. You brought me into this world, but I need you to hear me that if you truly love me back, you're going to love my wife too, because we're now one flesh. Ooh, guys, you got the courage to say that to Mama? Hmm. If it's hurting your wife that bad. Sarah, I'm sorry you're in the situation. Let it. Let it go. Let it go. Don't argue. Don't show animosity back. That's just going to kindle the flame, okay? Love you guys. We'll see you next Monday. <laughs>
0: Right Rug Flooring.